When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back, everyone. This is the 163rd episode of Power Your Parenting Moms and Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Okay, this is a very special podcast to me. Instead of me being the one to interview a guest... I am going to be the one interviewed. If you have been listening to my podcast, you know that I have been featuring a chapter from my book, Dial Up the Dream, Make Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You, every week. Well, in this episode, my friend and colleague, Sherry Dusan will be interviewing me. Sherry Dusan is a Texas and Arizona licensed marriage and family therapist in private practice and the founder and director of the Center for Postpartum Family Health in Houston, Texas. Since 1999, she has focused her practice on helping new mothers and the needs of young families. In 2014, she opened the Center for Postpartum Family Health using therapist training under her supervision to provide services on a sliding scale to the community. But before we dive into our episode today, I want to read you a story from the last chapter of Dial Up the Dream, which is called The Choice. It was early. I was barely awake as I stumbled through the clinic door to get my annual mammogram. Betty, the technician, led me into the room. She was annoyingly chatty for 6 a.m. as she was trying to squeeze one of my girls between two cold metal plates she asked me what I did for a living. I said, I'm a therapist. I help moms have good relationships with their teens. Betty asked if I'd written a book. And I told her, well, you know, I have. And then she told me, don't move. As she took the picture, she said, I won't read it. I don't read self-help books. Then she grabbed my other girl and mashed it down on a cold metal plate and continued. I used to love watching my daughter sleep. When I asked her why, she replied, because when she was awake, she was a fire-breathing dragon. I laughed. What else could I do? This whole situation was so absurd. As she was setting me up for the last picture and turned that last crank of the compression paddle, the one that makes it so you practically can't breathe, she said, 
you know, I prayed a mother curse on her. What the fill in the blank? My girl flat as a pancake from that last crank. My face smashed into the mammogram machine. I barely squeaked out. What's a mother curse? Don't move, she said, and then added, I pray she has a daughter who will be as mean to her as she was to me. Really? She released the machine. Thank God I was free. I walked out thinking how sad. Betty's defenses were impenetrable. She wasn't open to knowing another way. Her mom probably prayed the mother curse on her. And now she is passing it to the next generation. My guess is that Betty's prayer is not your prayer, or you wouldn't be reading the last chapter of this book. We don't want to be cursing the next generation. We want to be blessing them. This is why I do what I do. I want to change these generational patterns for good. I want mothers and daughters to bring out the best in each other, not the worst. So if you're listening to this podcast on May 2nd, tomorrow, my book, Dial Up the Dream, Make Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You, will be released into the world tomorrow, May 3rd. I am so freaking excited to get this book into your hands. I know this book is going to help because I have listened to y'all for years and years and years. I have 50,000 hours as a therapist listening to mothers, lots of listening. And I hear that y'all make the same mistakes. You struggle with the same things over and over again. And I wanted to help. I know this book is going to help a lot. I know this book is going to really help you avoid a lot of those traps. So if you want to come to my May 5th event, if you are listening to this on Monday, May 2nd, or even May 3rd, just go to dialupthedream.com, order my book, put in that receipt number at dialupthedream.com and show up on May 5th. I would love to see you there. Hello, and welcome to Power Your Parenting. I'm your guest host, Sherry Dusan. My guest today needs no introduction. Speaker, therapist, writer, podcaster extraordinaire, Colleen O'Grady. Welcome, Colleen. Oh, you did that really well, Sherry. <laughs> I'm very impressed. Okay, this feels very awkward being on the other end of being the host. Yes. Oh, no, just relax. We're so happy to have you with us today. You have so much to teach us about mothers and daughters, and you've actually helped me through my life with my daughter. So I'm very excited to talk with you today. Okay, great. Could you tell us about your new book coming out shortly? Wow. Yeah, it is almost here on May 3rd. Dial Up the Dream, Make Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood, the best for both of you, is going to be launched into the world. We're very excited about this. <laughs> I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about why you wrote this book. Oh, yes, absolutely. My first book, Dial Down the Drama, and many of you listening have read the book. It really kind of takes you from the middle school years up through the high school years. And then what happens is, you know, our kids don't stop growing. They keep going. And so I realized that there were some other issues that I needed to address, not only from all the moms that I listen to who are in my practice, but also with my daughter. I wanted to dial up something. I dialed down the drama. So what am I going to dial up? So I wanted to mm -hmm. dial up the dream. Mm -hmm. And a couple other things is, you know, when our kids are little, we have no problem talking about the dirt. Like, oh my gosh, my daughter did this, did this, did this. Mm -hmm. But as our kids get older, it gets more difficult to share the harder stories with moms. Mm -hmm. And I hear that over and over and moms feel alone in their pain. And there's a lot of hard stuff with parenting teens and this emerging young adult you know, you're a therapist and, you know, we have this privilege of hearing what's really true and what's really authentic. And mm -hmm. that kind of adjusts our own expectations. It's so true. Can I just yeah, throw something? It, it seems like the only thing you hear about older kids is just all about their accomplishments. Everything that they're doing, their graduations, their new jobs, their new houses, their new relationships, 
and you don't hear people talking about the really common mishaps, missteps. It's not a smooth transition to adulthood, and yet we don't hear much about that at all. So it keeps us quiet because we don't want to be the only ones that are struggling or think our kids are the only ones struggling. Yeah, it can be really, really painful for moms. And then I think you're going to appreciate this, Sherry, is because we both went to school together to become marriage and family therapists. And do you remember we were taught it was a family life cycle? Yes. And so we learned, you know, that we have this young adult who couples and then the couple has small children and then they have teenagers and then they're supposed to launch them. Right. And I used to think that was just hilarious of launching your teen, like we're shooting them out of a rocket into the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> One time event. Right? Yes. Like this, this idea, like you launch, you have the catapult, you let them go. And then that's it. <laughs> right. And it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Yes, I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I wrote the book, because it's extremely nuanced. And you and I have talked before and you said, you know, why are you focusing on the daughters? And there are a lot of reasons, but one is, is that moms and daughters really identify with one another. And so that makes it harder as that young daughter emerges into adulthood because she either wants to be like you or she doesn't want to be like you. And so there's all this kind of back and forthness between mm -hmm. mother, daughter, and that daughter finding her own identity. Mm -hmm. We didn't talk about this, but what are the ages of your kids? Yes, I have a almost 26-year-old son and a 23-year-old daughter. And your work and your books and <laughs> your newsletters have helped me through many, many years. And we've had kind of parallel journeys in that we reconnected when we were both pregnant. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> and, we did. Uh, so we've had lots of time talking about this, but your work is really really helped me out a lot. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the college trap, which is something that you mention in chapter one, escape the college trap. And I don't know exactly, well, I have some ideas, but what, what do you mean by that? Yes. Something happens around junior year in high school and moms start to go, oh my gosh, there's this, oh my gosh, feeling we go, okay, they have to get in college. They have to have good grades. We start to have a future focus mm -hmm. and it doesn't always have to be college, but we're still thinking about what are they going to do after high school? Mm -hmm. And so we feel this pressure. We are just looking at our teens. This is the trap. We just have to get them across the finish line with the right data points so that they can have a good future. Mm -hmm. What happens is when we see them in their room, this happens really quickly. It's like they're not studying. Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen in their future? Mm -hmm. Or they failed a class or they failed a test. Oh, my gosh, their future. So mm -hmm. that just gets planted in our brains. With this fixed future focus, there's also this fear drive that's always in full throttle because it feels like oh my gosh, they're not going to be able to get in that right college. And our culture is definitely amplifying that. I mean, the kids feel the pressure, it's in our schools. And then it's that illusion of control that we moms love, mm -hmm. is that if we just get in there and do our job, they will have a good future. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is the downside of that? What do moms miss if they're just focused on the future for their kids. Yeah. So I definitely will answer that question. And so in Dial Down the Drama, I talk a lot about the powerless parenting messages that we get from our culture. And what I see in the college trap, here's the powerless parenting message. The end goal, my daughter's future is more important than my daughter's well-being and our relationship. Mm. I see this over and over again. I hear these teens say, my mom only cares about my grades. My mom only cares about if I'm going to go to college. My mom only cares about that. She doesn't care about me. The teen's emotional needs are put on the back burner or they're not attended to. Or they're not even seen. They're not even seen. 
Mm. Mom loses touch with her daughter. Mm. And, you know, in that chapter, I have a whole section if moms could go there again. And I had so many responses on Instagram. And one of them is a mom said, I would spend more time connecting than correcting. Mm. Yeah. So if you think about it, oh, if high school's four years, then two years of high school, you can miss. Yeah. You can miss that connection. Colleen, you and I both know those moms that feel like the best thing they can do for their kids, their daughters, is just push, 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 no matter what, they'll thank me later. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, yeah. isn't that the mindset? They're trying to do what they think is best. Right. Yeah, that is a great example of a myth. Mm -hmm. Because they don't thank you later. In fact, what happens is you destroy the relationship. Mm. So there can be consequences, lasting consequences for doing all that pushing, conjoling, nagging. Yeah. And senior girls are having really hard things happen to them. And their parents don't even know. For example, a girl who got into a great school. And yet she had such anxiety, very severe anxiety. And how that played out when she was in social settings is that she would drink to relax. Mm. And so that really had some bad consequences with boys. Mm -hmm. She'd pass out and Mm -hmm. she was horrified. Her anxiety was crippling. Mm -hmm. But the mom and dad were like, well, she's, you know, she's good. Right. And if you're just focused on their future and their college applications, and you may miss that today she's struggling with anxiety, substance abuse, and relationships, and all those are going undetected or yes, or unaddressed. Yeah. And our relationship with our teen is essential. It could save their lives. You know, that was a huge theme of Dial Down the Drama. Mm-hmm. And it's still a theme, especially as they start getting out in those unknown waters of college or whatever, what's next for them. Mm-hmm. If you destroy that relationship in high school, that foundation, your connection is a lifeline. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, the stakes really are high. I think maybe one of the mistakes moms make when they're pushing is like, yeah, I know it's annoying to them, but they'll thank me later rather than Actually, if I don't stay in touch with where she is actually right now, I may lose her for good. We just don't think of it in those terms. We kind of think, well, we'll just put the connection stuff aside for right now and do the hard pushing and then we'll reconnect. That actually could be a really dangerous choice to make. Yeah. And it's the all or nothing thinking. Yeah. You know, that always irritates us when we hear our teens having the all or nothing thinking. Yeah. And just because of our own fear. And when we are in that fear place, we have all or nothing thinking. Yeah. So we just get that's the trap is that we just push, push, push because we have fear. Yeah. It's not that you don't do all the monitoring because you need to. It's just that you don't exclude their well-being and the relationship. Yeah. Seems like one of the themes in your book is letting go of your daughter, or at Mm -hmm. least letting go of the type of relationship you had Mm -hmm. before. Can you just say a little bit about that? Like, what does that mean to let go of your daughter? Well, it's just really easy to let go of your daughter. (laughs) I, I am joking. I am joking. It is so hard to let go. The concept of letting go is also really confusing. And so when someone says letting go, it's like our faces can fog over, especially in high school, because that's like the last thing we're doing is letting go. Yeah. We are monitoring the heck out of them, which we need to often is like, you know, um, okay, you need to get up. You need to give me your phone. Don't you have a test tomorrow? We need to get to your practice, which is what I call monitoring. So we are full in and full on in high school actually have been letting go with our daughters or sons their entire life. Mm-hmm. And we get to practice that little muscle of letting go. Mm-hmm. It starts with, and I'm still sad about this, is that we can't dress our daughters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My mom is still sad about that with me. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure my mom was very sad about that with me too. But you know, it's like we used to dress them and we had these cute clothes and it was just like, oh my God, she's so cute. And in each stage of letting go, there's a real grief and a real relief. So mm-hmm. it's a relief that we don't have to dress our kids, mm-hmm. but it's a grief that they want to wear the princess dress everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's both. I do think a big letting go event is when they walk out that door after high school. Mm -hmm. My story that I talk about in the book is my daughter stayed in Houston. I'm from Houston Mm -hmm. and she had an apartment her freshman year and that was great. She Mm -hmm. had a dog and she'd bring the dog over. So I saw her plenty. So that letting go was not a big deal. Mm -hmm. We both got space. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a win. And mm-hmm. then she went to Austin, which is about three hours from Houston. Mm-hmm. And when she backed out of the driveway, I remember the tears came mm-hmm. and I was so sad. But actually, my sister lives in Austin and my daughter was back and forth all the time. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't that sad. Mm-hmm. But then a few years later, after that, she decided that she was going to move to L.A. Mm-hmm. And she said, what do you think? And I said, well, if you can get a good job, you can go thinking she couldn't, but then she did get a good job. (laughs) And then that that started to freak me out a little bit because that's Mm -hmm. pretty far away and that's not Mm -hmm. like she would come home in the summer sort of thing. Mm -hmm. She wanted to drive all the way from Houston to LA by herself and I wasn't comfortable with that. You, Sherry, live in Tucson, which is about two thirds of the way to LA from Houston. You saw this in real time, but... (laughs) My daughter and I drove to Tucson. So it was early in the morning and it was raining and my daughter drove off and I just felt the heaviness and sadness. I was trying to keep it together. And I remember you said, hey, you want to go for a drive? Because you knew I was in a bad place. And I was trying to suck it up because I knew you were a therapist and you knew I wasn't okay. But okay, so we're going to just do this drive. And I was missing her terribly and just felt like, oh my gosh, she's gone. She's gone. She's gone. And we're looking at the saguaro cacti and the mountainside. And and then the phone rang and it was my daughter. And I was so excited. And I said, hello. And she said, hey, mom, I'm in Phoenix. So she made it one hour. I made it one hour. So... Uh, I'm in Phoenix and um, I don't have any money. Can you send me money for coffee? And I have a flat tire and and can you send me money to get my um, tire fixed? And this is so ridiculous, but that made me so happy. And I thought I'm needed. I'm I'm still relevant in her life. I'm still relevant. That's so good. It reminds me, I know this is kind of going back just a little bit, but one of the reasons I think we're pushing so hard when they're preparing to leave is that we're worried about what we have forgotten. These questions of, have I really done a good job as a mom to get them ready for this launch? So it's not even as much about them, I think, sometimes as it is about us, like evaluating how we did and you know, if they don't do their laundry right or they're incapable of really putting a good meal together or, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, that's on me. Like that, right? you know, I'm not doing a good job. So a lot of that pushing, we may think we're doing it for their sake, but really it's sometimes about us and whether we think we're an adequate role model mother, you know, the whole mythology around being a good mother means that your child is perfectly prepared for the next step, right? You didn't miss a thing. And, uh, you know, that can really mess with the relationship too. Yeah. So being needed, you know, having a flat tire in Phoenix just makes you feel like, (laughs) oh, I have one more chance to get it right. I can teach her about flat tires and what to do. (laughs) Yes. Going back to the letting go thing, there's the letting go, which is really hard, of the relationship. For a lot of moms, it feels like a death. It is not a death. It's a transformation of your relationship. And a second part of letting go is like, are they ready to be on their own? Mm -hmm. 
because yeah. we see their immaturity still. We see it every mm-hmm. single day up till the day they back out the driveway to go to college. I've heard from moms a million times. How can they even go to college if they can't even do the laundry? If they can't even make a phone call, if they can't even manage their money, <clears throat> right? All those things. Yeah. Talk about that maturity gap. What is that? And why is that key to understanding our role as a mom in this stage? Yeah. Because in terms of the neuroscience that we've talked a lot about in the past 10 years is that that prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until 25 or later, late what 20s. What does that mean? What, what's the downside of an undeveloped Well, I am going to tell you all about that. Oh, please do. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's exactly why I wrote the book. We've heard that and we have no idea what it means. Yeah, right. But I bring it on home to moms where they go, okay, get it, get it. I get it. I researched a lot about like the 18 to 25 year old brain. Mm. And it's confusing and nebulous because it's really just a continuation of developing from the teenage years. There's not like a defined stage of at 18, the brain is this, at 20 is this. So it's just a continuation. But in Carl Zimmer's article, You're an Adult, Your Brain, Not So Much, he Mm -hmm. quotes Dr. Leah Somerville from Harvard University. And I love this quote. And she says, Nothing magical happens at age 18. (laughs) Now, our teens think that. They think, oh, my God, I'm 18. Just leave me alone. This is why it's confusing because they are considered legally an adult and they have all these rights. But if you look at it from the neuroscience perspective, this is what I call the maturity gap. They have physical maturity. They have cognitive maturity. So it's physical maturity plus cognitive maturity plus emotional immaturity. And that equals the maturity gap. Mm -hmm. And what that looks like is this affects your daughter's or your son's decision making. They tend to make really impulsive decisions. Mm -hmm. It impacts their judgment. They don't use good judgment. It impacts impulse control. Mm -hmm. It's like they don't have impulse control, like, you know, hot guy in the room, They're not thinking, is this a good idea? They're just Mm -hmm. already in the room. Mm -hmm. Or emotional regulation. Their emotions can be up, down, everywhere, and it's hard to control it. Mm -hmm. And so some of those relationships that they have, especially romantic relationships, can be really immature. You add alcohol to it, you know, they can get really spiral out of control. They're immature in terms of solving problems, because if you make impulsive decisions and it's an emotional decision, you're not really grounded in problem solving skills mm-hmm. and you're not thinking ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I give you an example from my Please own life? do. Please do. When my daughter was about 19, I think she was a sophomore in college. I got a phone call and she launched in a full defense of why she needed to get a dog. Mm -hmm. I'm ready. I want it and I need it. But living in a dorm in college, actually they were moving into an apartment and I think she just thought that was going to work. I mean, she was convinced and I was absolutely sure that this was not the time to do this. But we had a really spirited conversation (laughs) where there was a lot of that, you know, she was ready with an answer for everything I had to say. So she never truly gave in until later she was able to kind of think it through and realize that that was something she was going to wait on but it was a real example of her brain not being quite where it needed to be in terms of really thinking through Mm -hmm. all the logistics all the details of Mm -hmm. actually caring for an animal full-time while you're in college and still wanting to go out and still wanting to do things and yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so that's my example yes no that's perfect example So if we are able to start letting go and kind of letting them develop at their own pace, because that's the other thing I see with that 18 to 25 year old age, you know, people develop individually and there are some very responsible, amazing 18 year olds that are, have a life plan. And so I'm not saying that doesn't happen. It's just that your child may not be at that place or, Mm -hmm. you know, and then as they are going through those years, you see it change. 
every six months or so, you're like, wow. I mean, it's really, that's really kind of the fun part of this age, right? It's just, yeah. You see these steps of growth and you're just kind of blown away by it, but it's not necessarily 18, 19, 20, you know, it's not a linear, even paced development. If we are successful at beginning to let go, what should we be doing in our relationship with them? Yeah. So what does your relationship with your daughter look like during those years? Yes. Yes. Okay. It truly is essential. In what way is it essential? So when I speak to groups of moms, who have middle school, high school kids, I always tell them that you just don't want to be the monitor and have that be the only relationship that you have with your daughter, which is really a monologue. A monitor is a monologue. Okay, come down and eat, take a shower. We're just trying to herd cats. You should, in the middle school, high school years, have time where you're just having a relationship with your daughter and just hanging out and enjoying them and being present with them. Again, it's not the whole time. It's balanced with the monitor. When I asked my moms what they missed when their daughters went to college, because the grief was very, very specific. And it was like, I missed laying in bed and watching a movie together. I missed them being in the kitchen, making muffins. I missed listening to her music. It was very specific. Mm -hmm. And that is actually the part of your relationship that will continue through the college years and through the, your entire lifetime. It is the quality of your connection. It's where you enjoy your teen. It's all those little nuanced dynamics, the inside jokes that you really enjoy about your daughter and what you will miss. Well, and also what they're going to enjoy about you. Yes. I mean, you know, the, if they have positive memories of hanging out with you, that's part of what keeps it going, right? I mean, if, if your child only experiences you as a stressful person to interact with, are they going to want to come back to that? Right. I, mean, I think people forget that we're supposed, well, I mean, these are my words, but like, I think of it as being a secure home base, right? Like mm -hmm. a place to come back to. Mm -hmm that I can be safe and secure in myself. And mm -hmm. I may not be the superstar that I am out in the world, but I can come back because mom is a secure, safe home base. So if we're not doing anything to nurture that, they're not experiencing it. Yes. So that goes back to what we were talking about. If you're just pushing, pushing, pushing those junior, senior years, yeah. and you have no connection, then there's nothing that pulls you into the next phase of your relationship. And okay, let's just get practical. If you are annoying and you just stress the heck out of your daughter, and if she only feels that you grill her a million about a million things, you know what she can do in college? She can avoid you. Yes, and she will. And she will avoid you. She will not return texts. You can threaten and she can act like she never even got the threat, you know, so it's does not work. Right. That's a good practical piece of advice. It just doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't work. <laughs> That's why I wrote the chapter five key facets to laying a new foundation. And absolutely, you want to be her home base. You want to be that secure base. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think of playing chase, you know, that game chase. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And you were safe when you hit home base. Yeah. So you could run around crazy and, mm -hmm. you know, all sorts of things, but you could rest in home base. And if you think of all the energy it takes for your son or daughter to make new friendships, try to find your clan and place in a big college, it's huge. It's exhausting. Figure out what they want to do, what they want to study, all that. Yeah, and trying to fit in with beautiful people and all of that self-comparison. So just to come to back to home base and just relax. And the good news is that they're not going to stay there forever. They just, often they just come home to catch their breath. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So another part is that you can be her anchor. You put things in perspective. And mm -hmm. I'm sure, Sherry, you, you've had those phone calls where your daughter's just like, oh my gosh, it's just terrible. I mean, I'm never going to be able to make it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're her anchor when she kind of freaks out. And again, mm -hmm. we expect them to freak out because 
of the emotional immaturity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we can say, look, you've got all A's in your classes and mm-hmm. this is just one test. And we just anchor them, anchor them, anchor them. Mm-hmm. So another one is that we're the voice of empathy. Mm-hmm. Now, if we are the voice of judgment, that doesn't work so good. And they're probably not calling. Then they're not going to call. <laughs> right. I talk about the voice of reason versus the voice of empathy. Mm. And they will not listen to the voice of reason until they know that we are the voice of empathy. Oh, that's so good. And then you want to be her mirror in a positive way. Mm. We want to see her, you know, mm-hmm. see the good in her. We want to be that encourager. Mm-hmm. And, and reflect that back to them and re- reflect that back to them. Yeah. Because if you think of what's being mirrored to them in college or, mm-hmm. or on a gap year, it probably isn't that. Mm-hmm. You can say, I don't know if you remember, but a year ago, you wouldn't have handled it like this, you know, yeah. and sometimes they'll be like, Oh, that positive yeah. reflection, yeah. you know? Yeah. About where they're making progress. That's really, right. really good. You mirror back where they've made progress. Right. So that's great. Can we shift gears to another one of your themes? A big chunk of your book is about the mom reconnecting to themselves. And that's the developmental task for the mother. It's not just about the kid launching and developing. It's also about the mother developing into her next stage. So you talk a lot about reconnecting to you. How does that actually help our relationship with our daughter, us reconnecting to ourselves. Yeah. This book is really twofold. It's really hard to disconnect, detach, reconnect, create this new relationship with our daughters. And that took about eight or nine chapters mm-hmm. because we are so invested in our daughters. It's been our life work for 20 years. Mm-hmm. But here is where moms, we can get stuck. We have put all our energy in dialing up our daughter's dreams. Mm-hmm. We want them to go to a good college. You know, their senior year in high school, they look gorgeous in their prom dresses and get their hair done and their makeup. And we're like walking around in yoga pants and a t-shirt. You know, they're going on these great trips and they're excited and life is so exciting. You know, they have this whole huge future ahead of them. And then they leave. And then what about us? It's hard because we lose touch with ourselves over the years because we're so focused on them. Mm -hmm. So here's where I see the problem. We may not even be aware of this. We continue to try to have our daughters fill our own emotional needs. Mm -hmm. We find ways to be needed. We say, you need me. So I need to be in your life. You know, we try to micromanage them from, you know, a thousand miles away. We think about them all the time. We obsess about them all the time. And our daughters feel that. And they might feel guilty. They might be stressed out by us. But we're actually getting in the way of our daughters dialing up the dreams. Mm -hmm. But often it's because, moms, we feel lost. We feel lost. We've silenced our own voice of what's important. Can you relate to that? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think it's easy to just, again, kind of the message is if you lose yourself in your children, then you're a good mom. Like you've given everything to them. But the problem is if you're not aware that they're going to be leaving eventually, and that is success, you know, you may have lost yourself so much in the mothering role that, well, I've seen it go a lot of different ways, but Yeah, you end up depleted and kind of questioning, who am I? What do I want to do with the rest of my life? I don't even know who I am or who my partner is, who my spouse is. You know, there's a lot of things that get put on the back burner while you're launching those kids. Mm -hmm. So, and then the other thing is like some people just look for more parenting opportunity. Like I've seen people adopt children when they launch kids or start pushing for grandkids. Like that's just all they think about. But in my case, I had kind of put my health on the back burner and I had some serious health stuff coming up. And once they were launched, I was able to really start attending to that. And part of that resulted in me moving quite a distance away, moving back to Arizona where it was better for me physically. But 
you know, that was probably the best thing I could do, do even for the kids mm-hmm. because that was me getting healthier, me showing up in my life in a way that didn't just rely on them to make me happy or make me feel good. You know, it's like, no, I'm going to take charge of myself and I'm going to feel good. You know, I didn't want them to have a lot of experiences of me like sick in bed, which they were starting to have, you know? Yeah. And I know that it worried them a little bit. I tried not to let them worry about it too much, but I certainly didn't want them to have this image of like, oh, mom is that poor sick woman that I have to go visit. (laughs) It's just not who I wanted to be. And so I really took charge of that and made some big steps to change that for myself primarily, but you know, also for the kids and for the rest of the family, for my spouse and and everybody else. I also thought about what my work dreams were going to be because I had been working all along. As my son was getting ready to leave high school, I decided to have a third baby. (laughs) And what that was, expanding my work to a group practice and starting a whole new business. That was intentional. So I just obsess about the, the kids were getting ready to leave. This is something I had been thinking about for a long time. A lot of different things just fell into place and it just seemed like this is the time to do it. In part, because I don't want to just be sitting around missing my kids and wishing for the old days. I didn't feel like that was healthy for anybody. Yeah, I was able to see that in real time. I'd listen to you where you said, you know, I want to move back and I I would dream of having a little casita connected to my house. And Mm -hmm. then I got to stay in that and that little casita. Mm -hmm. And you are so healthy now. Like you just Mm -hmm. told me today, I'm a little sore because I had a nine mile hike yesterday. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, the good news is that it worked. You know, I'm off of all medications. I'm feeling good. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And your business is thriving and you got really creative with that casita and you're doing art and music. You're so far from the pathetic woman in the bed. Like you (laughs) were... I did not want to be that person, but thank you for seeing that. But yeah, it sometimes it takes making some pretty drastic hard choices, you know? Yeah. One of our big guilty feelings is that we're taking our children's home away from them. You know, that if we sold this house and moved out of this city, where would their home base be? Well, you know, they navigated that a lot better than we did. (laughs) They're like, oh, we love Tucson. That'll be so fun to go visit you there. That'll be great. And they love the house here. They're like, oh, this is just wonderful. It's like going on vacation. And, you know, we were just like, oh, we can't leave Houston. It'll be hard on the kids. They know that their home is, this sounds corny, but it's with us. It's not in the house. It's not corny. And you're the perfect example of why reconnecting to you actually brings your kids closer together, brings you and your kids closer together. Yeah. And that is connected. So the reconnecting to you is connected to dialing up your dream as a mom. Here is the good news, moms, is it's not just your daughter or son gets to dial up their dreams and you just get to get old and gray and lay in bed. But, you know, I think we feel that. We kind of Uh feel like if you're in a career, it's like, okay, I just have to do this career. And even though I have a lot of money, but I'm bored with it. And it's like, you can either be bored in the career you have, or you're, you gave up a good career for your husband and you stayed at home. And now that your kids are in college, he says, get a job. And you're like, what? Like, what would I even do? There's a lostness either way sometimes. But I love to say you, mom, get to have a dream that you dial up. And it can start, and a lot of moms start here with, okay, you know what? I hate that pink color. This room is so cluttered. I'm going to throw all that away. A lot of times it just starts with kind of what are you tired of? Mm-hmm. giving your house a facelift. Mm-hmm. As you reconnect with your preferences, you evaluate your relationships. Do they work? What you're curious about, 
maybe where places you'd like to travel. When you reconnect with you, that is the foundation for dialing up your dream. And you don't have to be Oprah. You don't have to be Brene Brown. You don't have to be anybody famous. But what I love the concept of dialing, because we're talking about dialing up the dream. It's a mm -hmm. click, one or mm -hmm. two clicks. Mm -hmm. So it's taking a class, taking a memoir class or trying to learn how to canoe. I don't know, but it's something. <laughs> There's a lot of things I think we put on hold. And I guess one of the messages is it's not too late to reconnect with those things. We've all heard the stories of people going back to school, maybe finishing that degree, maybe starting a business, maybe taking charge of some aspect of their life that they've just put on hold for a while or they couldn't do at the same time. For me, the goal is to not be miserable. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you can start is I don't want to be miserable. That's a and good place so to start. What actually does get me excited again? Mm -hmm. If it's it can't just be what my kids are doing. For one thing, they don't appreciate that. If no, I they don't. If I'm too locked into them telling me what they're doing every day and who the, you know what they're doing on the weekends, you know, they're nice to not say this, but I can tell it's just kind of like, ugh, this is a chore to have to check in with you and tell you everything about my life, you know? Uh, let me just live it. Yeah, it's like we need to bring something to the party in the yes. emerging adult years. Yes. And yes. I I love the question, what do I truly want? Because we haven't been able to ask ourselves that question in mm -hmm. decades. Mm -hmm. But you get to ask that question now, what do I truly want? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you bring something to the party and you say, mm -hmm. and you get to surprise them. Oh, yeah, I just went here this weekend. I listened to this mm -hmm. band, this music. And they're like, you? <laughs> well, you know, it really helps creating that kind of more your relationship with your kids is if you've got something interesting to talk about besides just obsessing about them. Yes. And I have gotten that from my kids. They're super proud of me for starting the business. They're like, well, look at you. And, you know, I feel like we have more of peer-to-peer -peer relationship now instead of just, you know, me kind of thinking I'm some all-knowing, wise, sage guide in their lives because they really don't need me to do that anymore. But they yeah. still want to be friends. They still want to be connected. They just don't want me to questioning their every move and, you know, <laughs> grilling them with questions every time we talk, you know. I know. It's so strange. It feels so normal when I grill my daughter because I like, wouldn't you want to answer all these questions I'm grilling you on? <laughs> and then you start getting kind of the, the silence or they stop uh -huh. returning the phone calls and you're like, oh. Yeah. So, yeah. So if I was going to sum up one of the big theme in this book is it's not just your daughter dialing up her dream. It's you also dialing up your dream. And that yes. actually brings y'all closer together. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. And that's what people are afraid won't happen. So yes. it's really a good counterintuitive realization. Yes. But what do we do about that mothering urge, Colleen? Does that ever go away? Like, what are we <laughs> supposed to do with that? Please tell me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It never goes away. It just never oh. goes away. Here's a question. Does your mother ever want to tell you things, give you advice that does she have the mothering urge? Oh, yeah, I guess she probably does. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually, when I thought about my own mom, I think she did amazing with this. Yeah. Because now I know the mothering urge is so strong. Yeah. She kept her mouth shut so many times. Yeah. yeah, so did mine, actually. You know, she was very self-aware and kind of disciplined about not meddling. Yes. I have a client. I just love her to death. And she's in her 40s and super successful. She went through a divorce. She was like getting new furniture for her house. Here's the deal. Moms, you can get stuck. This is the point. You can get stuck at the stage of being obsessed about your kids and be like in your 60s or 70s. <laughs> so this mom comes over and she's like, no, no. I said, what, what was she talking about? And she goes, you can't buy a white sofa. No. <laughs> what did your client say? 
Well, yeah, it's so irritating. Like, you know, her mom wanted to tell her all the furniture she needed to buy for her house. Her mom was emotionally distressed that her daughter <laughs> bought a white sofa. I love it. I think the white sofa is the perfect dial up your dream kind of <laughs> metaphor because nothing says I don't have kids around anymore than a white sofa. <laughs> that is so true. So true. Well, is there anything else you can tell us? Tell people how they can get your book or okay, uh, yeah. where they get Dial Up the Dream. What's that launch going to look like? Speaking of babies, you're about to launch another book. Yeah, I have so, another baby, yes. Yeah, you have another baby to launch. So this podcast, if you're listening to it on Monday, May 2nd, well, tomorrow, May 3rd, is when my book is officially launched. But if wow. you're listening to this on May 2nd, if you get on it and you pre-order Dial Up the Dream today or even tomorrow, if you pre-order Dial Up the Dream today, then you can come to my event on May 5th, that Thursday, starting at 12 Central Standard Time, and you can figure out the times wherever you live. But anyway, I would love you to be there on Thursday, May 5th. And actually, my friend Sherry is going to be there. We're going to talk a little bit. I'm going to interview some of the people in my book. Yes, because and this is an online event, right? It is an online event. So I can attend from Arizona, even though I'm not there with you in Texas. You can. I'm, I literally have people from all over the country who will Yay. be there. Now, my friends in Australia... Okay. It's a little rough because I think it's uh, like 3 a.m. for you. So, okay. you know, so that may not work out for y'all. But, you know, if you're in Europe, this works. So wherever you are, this is online. Come join us. It's going to be fun. And um, Thursday, May 5th. Thursday, May 5th. Are you sending out Zoom links? How do they get, how do they attend that? Or how do they register for that? Yes. So all you have to do is go to my website or you can just go to dialupthedream.com mm -hmm. and you can register there. Okay. And your website is colleenogrady.com? Yes. colleenogrady.com, two L's okay. and two E's. Okay. Good. Well, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I hope to see everyone there. Any closing words for your podcast audience, Colleen? Well, Sherry, you were an excellent host today, and I want to thank you for that. My pleasure. I think I want my own podcast. <laughs> yeah, you could do that. <laughs> Great. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere. You can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.